0: I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces.
1: Hi Kelly, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. So you're turning 50 tomorrow. How are you feeling about that? Well, it's a bit surreal, uh, for sure, since uh, I am not supposed
0: to be here. I was told at 26 I would die in a year, so 50 is is, um, someplace I thought I'd
1: never be. What was going through your head, like that initial diagnosis, like sitting with your doctor and And hearing what you had and that it was terminal at that point. Um, I'm not sure that I can even explain
0: that other than I felt sick to my stomach. My kids at the time were four and one. And um, when something's happening to your body and you have no control over it and um, you feel that... Um, you're, you have your whole life ahead of you and you're told in one moment that you don't, it's just debilitating.
1: Absolutely. And I know you have been diagnosed two times in your 50 years with two terminal illnesses. Um, the initial one that you had when you were 26, can you kind of explain that to us a little bit, like what it means and what it kind of does to your day-to-day life now?
0: So uh, I was... Diagnosed uh, with sarcoidosis of the heart. And sarcoidosis in itself is a rare condition, but of the heart is ultra rare. And um, it is uh, considered a gram- granulomatous disease. And granulomas are basically tumors. It's, you know, we can use the word tumor, lesion, granuloma, kind of all means the same thing. It causes scar tissue on the organ that is involved and decreases the organ function so for me having it of the heart uh, was very rare and um, nobody where I live knew much about it they had seen the odd case of sarcoidosis but normally it just affects the lungs so having it of the heart was um unfamiliar territory for the doctors and certainly for me
1: so when they diagnosed you with a year to live um, I know you have explained in the past that you started planning your funeral what was that like planning your funeral with two really young kids and family trying to rally around you and help you get through this well
0: um I researched some things back then on You know, what if a parent dies when their children are one and four and um, how to go about planning my funeral. And I think walking into the funeral home and I remember the funeral director, who I still have in my life, you know, uh, occasionally I see him around town, um, put his arm around me as I picked out a casket. And that was really probably the hardest thing during the funeral planning to, um, to do. And I remember him saying, all you have to do is do this once. And I, I said, well, I'm not a pink person or a blue person. What's the most expensive? (laughs) So, um, I did that and, um, I began to prepare to die and that meant writing letters to my children and um, to my family and picking out my clothes that I thought that I would be laid out in right down to the lipstick uh trying to leave no stone unturned um and knowing full well that I just wasn't ready. And at no time was I okay with any of this.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of people in your circumstances, they might have curled up in a ball and kind of tried to push it down and not really think about it. Why do you think that you were so proactive about writing the letters to your kids and planning your own funeral? Like you didn't want to just leave that to your family members at that point. You wanted it handled. Why do you think that you felt that way at such a young age?
0: In part, I think I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> but um, truly, I just didn't want my family to have to make those decisions or to have the questions of, oh, what would she have wanted or what would she have, um, you know, wished at this time. And so I guess in my mind, even at that age... I felt that if I took charge of that and did everything that I possibly could, it was less that my family had to deal with. All they have to deal with at this time and back in the day was for the hospital to call and say, she's gone and everything else is really done.
1: That's really incredible of you. I know like I'm 26 right now and I never would even, I probably would be that person that just curled up and cried. And it's really, it really speaks volumes to your character that you, you really just wanted the best for everybody else. And I feel like knowing you now, as you're turning 50, you're still the exact same way. Like you've maintained that all your life, even with all this adversity that you've had to overcome. Um, This question it's a little bit heavy, but how did it feel when you came home from the doctor and you had to look into your four and your one-year-old's eyes and know that you weren't, you might not get to see them grow up and get married and have children? Well,
0: uh, I had a cousin who lost his mom when he was nine, and he had no physical recollection of her and he told me that he remembered her but he didn't remember her smile uh as far as her touch and and so when i started researching that they said at the age of under the age of 12 if a if a child loses a parent they have no physical memories what the picture show and what people tell them and um it was heartbreaking i would go into their bedrooms at night and pray to god that i would just live until you know long enough that they could remember me i needed them to remember me singing to them as babies and My touch and how much I love them. And so that was my goal. That was my goal. No matter what, I had to live until they were old enough to remember me.
1: That's incredible. And and here you are. Like, I know that is a very heavy question that I just asked you, but here you are. You're 50. Who's getting married this year?
0: Right, my youngest son, so... He's getting married?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he got
0: engaged, and um, he, uh, yeah, uh, he's getting married in August, and my oldest son got married a year ago, June, and I have been so blessed with so many uh, things that I've got to uh, experience with these Children I brought into the world, and <laughs> I surpassed them being twelve, and um, and I got so much more.
1: Yeah, and you have a beautiful grandson out of it too, and probably more little ones on the way to look forward to.
0: Yes, yeah, I hope so. I remember, um, you know, and I think talking to friends and stuff, they also remember uh, me wanting to watch my children graduate because it's it's a really weird thing when they both turned 12 I was so appreciative that I had got my wish and then I wanted to see them both graduate and when I watched my youngest walk down the aisle I just bawled like a baby because I thought I got my wish too and I just you know it wasn't selfish, but at that point, I just wanted more. I wanted more experiences and more, you know, things and and days with them. And I am so lucky that I've got that. I, I, I have got to have Christmases and I've got to watch them grow and become wonderful men that I'm proud of, so proud of, and watch myself become a grandmother and that's just something I never would have thought would have happened in a million years
1: I'm sure the day of their graduation you were seen as just like another blubbering mom I know when my boys graduate I'm going to be the same way but it was so much more to you like how can you explain to people how much more those milestones mean to you like being at their weddings that like Christmas morning I feel like so many people take advantage of that like what would you say to somebody who's kind of just going through the motions in life?
0: Well, I just think people need to take it all in because at any moment that could be gone. And as much as I have been blessed and cherish these moments that I've had, I don't know that when I go to sleep tomorrow, that I'm not gonna, you know, wake up the next day or go to sleep tonight. And, um, Those moments mean so much to me. I treasure them. I sit back and I watch everyone around me. Christmas morning, my grandson, he uh, was opening a thousand presents and he was less than one year old and he really didn't care about them all. He just wanted to eat the paper and play with a water bottle. But um, what he did do was... um, he, he just gave me that moment of him, you know, uh, enjoying whatever it was he was touching and everybody watching him. And I just stood back and I just um, relished that, you know, time and the people and the smiles. And, and I can't even explain it to you everything you know when people say um stop and smell the flowers or stop and smell smell the the roses. roses yeah right I actually do that like and I think my kids have done that too that's one thing that I've given to them because they appreciate every moment and every day and and so do I and it's such a cliche but it really isn't if I can put my feet on the floor today and I can experience the day no matter what that holds I am just I'm in awe really
1: absolutely and obviously your life has so many more trials and tribulations more than just these terminal illnesses um was there anything specific that happened after this that kind of maybe maybe felt like your life was falling apart a little bit like anything that just made it feel worse but you still prevailed through it I think through this
0: um, being sick and, um, you know, my, my first marriage failed, um, not something that I would have wanted, but um, at the time I wanted the fairy tale and I was with my first husband since I was 13 years old and, um, you know, it was... I thought there was something magical other than what was going on in my world. And that was absolutely not true, but, um, I followed that path because of being sick. I felt like I just wanted everything to be so grandiose and in actual fact looking forward to being 50. Um, I just, I just wanted to be, um, safe and secure and and as healthy as I could be and um, unfortunately um, through my learning uh, more about myself in this my my first marriage ended
1: absolutely and that would have been really hard for you to have to endure that while while being sick kind of walk me through how it felt when you Surpass 28 like I feel like when people pass that number the doctors give them it's probably such a celebration but did you feel like you were always waiting for the other shoe to drop or did you just did you feel like you were kind of in the clear at that point just going day by day or year by year uh
0: absolutely not at all like there was no woohoo for me and in fact when my birthday came um I was in bed, I thought, okay, this is it. They've told me I have a year. And in my head, it felt like, okay, this is, this is it. And I think from my perspective, um, I know doctors tell uh, people from their experience, uh, sometimes a time you have six months or you have a year And I just think that that's devastating. And, you know, I've had a fantastic relationship with my doctors going forward. And I tell them, listen, it's like your mama said, if you got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. (laughs) I want to know the facts. I want to know what the scans say, but I just don't want your opinion because I've surpassed all those things. And in that first year, you know staying in bed and waiting to just like the ball to drop um i just i i don't do that anymore i've i've grown from that and um and i hope i don't have to feel that again because it's a it's a really awful feeling thinking that your demise is 12 months away and this is it you're gone and I just
1: wasn't. So, what does your day to day life look like now? When, like, what's the difference between when you were 26 and you were diagnosed and now that you're turning 50 tomorrow? Like, what does your day to day life look like? Are you still on the same medications when you were 26 or have you fought for different avenues throughout the years? So, I was, um, you know, I, I
0: traveled to Los Angeles to the University of Southern California, because here I was told, obviously, that I would die in a year. Seven years ago, I was diagnosed with another ultra rare uh, cancer called Erdine Chester disease. And um, my opinion. Not that I'm a doctor, but my opinion is that from all the diagnostics, I've had 350 CAT scans, MIBI scans, chest x-rays, bone scans, PET scans. So all the radiation, I think, from the sarcoidosis of the heart created this type of cancer in my bone marrow. Um, I... I deal with that now and I'm on a totally different medication and for the cancer. Uh, So I do want to stress that that's two separate illnesses that I've had in the last 22 years. I am the longest living documented patient in North America with sarcoidosis of the heart tells my, it told to me by my doctor at uh, the University of Southern California. The life expectancy of sarcoidosis of the heart is two years and the life expectancy of Erdogan Chester disease is also two to three years. So my daily life is breakfast of champions, a whole lot of (laughs) medication (laughs) and a coffee Uh, and a coffee for sure. And um, you know, every day is just a trial. Like, um i could be out going for a walk or i could be in an ambulance heading to the hospital i could not be able to get out of bed because of the pain i could not sleep for days i um could be traveling the world i could be hanging out with my friends and i think all of those things uh, define who i am and What I will say has changed mostly is the level of fear. When I was 26 and first diagnosed, the fear was paralyzing. I remember one night sitting on my floor by myself and my kids were in bed, afraid to go to sleep because I didn't think I would wake up in the morning. And sometimes today... I still feel like I might not wake up in the morning, but the fear isn't the same. Because if something happens, I do go to bed tonight. I've lived an amazing life and being sick has given me that and I am blessed beyond. I can't even explain that.
1: Why Why do you feel like it's so important now for you to share your story like share, this is such a hard thing for you to talk about. I think we can all hear that in your voice. Why do you feel so open to it now talking and being so transparent about it?
0: Well, I think that living your life is just living your life. And I, you know, over the years, talk to people and, and, their feedback was how much I impacted them. And and I, if I look at me on paper, Kelly Wilson on paper, wow, it's, it's a lot. And for one person to go through the things that I have, but at the same time, not really thinking it's any big deal. And I think it's other people that have said, you really changed my life. You really changed my thought process. And if in this whole, I can help one person overcome something small, something big in their life, that's really my motivation. And, you know, that's why I'm doing this today
1: your podcast is just the beginning for you. I know we're talking about getting a YouTube channel up and running and we're working really hard on your social media and you've really, you have really dove into this feat first, which is just crazy because it takes people a lot of motivation to do just one thing these days. But I'll leave you with just this last question. So other than your medication, why do you think you've lived this long?
0: I get asked that question actually quite a bit (laughs) and um, you know how first of all I think um, I think it's a blessing I think that um, for me I just wasn't ready to go and I think a lot of people aren't but for some reason the higher power just needed me to do something to make a difference um all along the way from the beginning i would always plan my life so i've always been the person that if i said you know i'm going to achieve this i usually do i focus all my energy on that and my health has been no different and for me I would plan trips. I would, Whether it was a concert, whether it was go away for the girls for a weekend to a town not far away, whether it was to fly across the world to the Maldives, whatever that was, planning my life, I always needed to achieve what I planned. And I remember a few years ago, I had... Um, you know, I was neutropenic, which meant, you know, your cell count was low, and my liver was starting to create some havoc. So I had to have a liver biopsy. And my palliative care doctor said to me, I'm worried about you, because you're not planning your life like you always did. And I need you to continue to do that, because that keeps you here. And that's basically it. And whether it's small, whether it's big, I need to plan my life because I'm not willing to fail. And at some point I'm going to stop planning my life because my body and my mind, I'm just going to be tired. And at that time, um, I'll be okay to go, but that's not today.
1: um just for your newer (laughs) listeners if you want to just give a little rundown about some of the topics that you're going to be talking about throughout this podcast like it's so much more than medical for you so if you want to give a little little topic rundown of what what people can expect moving forward
0: so um I can start with my childhood and um, I was sexually abused um, more than once by more than one person. Also, I left home at 13 and was homeless for almost three years. I will talk about travel and I'll talk about the places I've been and the people I've met and how small this really you know giant world can be and the relationships that I have um you know created and the um what I've done in business and how I've started businesses on my own out of my house and and made them successful and how I've had just a a rocking good life like (laughs) there's been a lot of trials and tribulations and there's been a lot of good and um I just wouldn't change it for the world
1: amazing well I think I speak for everybody when I say I can't wait to hear more I can't wait to hear more about your life and more about you and what makes you who you are and um I'm wishing you a really happy birthday, and I wish I could see you, but this COVID nineteen, of course, is gonna keep us away. So I will have some prosecco for you, maybe some whiskey. <laughs> just yeah. some of your favorite things. Coconut. You can make your own cake because you're the most incredible baker. <laughs> just add it to your list. <laughs> but thanks so much for answering my questions and just letting people know a little bit more about you, Kelly.
0: Thank you, Madison. Have a great day.
1: You too.